Fighter Fest Night 2 ended with the barbed wire everywhere death match. Did it live up to the hype? Did it live up to the storyline? We talk about that and everything else that happened next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, we'll start it off with Brody King versus Darby Allen in what Excalibur called a grudge match. I don't remember them ever facing off against each other in AEW beforehand for this to be a grudge match, but grudge match nonetheless, obviously this all stemming from the Royal Rampage match where Darby Allen was choked out and dropped to the ground for Brody King to win the AEW interim championship uh, opportunity. I thought this was a very good opening match and a very good way to showcase Brody King after losing to Moxley uh, not long ago. Absolutely beat the crap out of Darby Allen. Very little offense from Darby, which I'm kind of surprised about, you know, considering that Darby's one of those that, you know, is a fan favorite in AEW and always seems so relentless. And he got some offense in, but I expected a little bit more. But nonetheless, it's pretty much one decided victory for Brody King. Afterwards, we see Malachi Black come out and then Sting tries to save. That doesn't work. Mero comes out and he comes out with sunglasses on and his left eye appeared to be darker than his right eye. So maybe it's the after effects of a black mist from a uh, forbidden door. Very interesting way to open up the show. I actually like this a lot. I definitely like the match. I just feel bad for Darby Allen because, you know, I, I, I don't really know where they're going to go with Brody King. I'm not going to be one to complain about AEW pushing some of their bigger guys and booking them a little bit better because I right. think that in the past, <clears throat> if there's one thing, if there's one thing people have been critical of, it's the way they've used some of their bigger guys. Um, so the match itself, I thought it was laid out well where Darby still got some offense in, but he really did just get the crap kicked out of him a good majority of the match. There were a few mm -hmm. scary spots, especially the end of the match, which that was kind of a theme of the night. A lot of pile drivers, a lot of weird spots where guys were getting dropped on their neck. So, um, yeah, that's but a, that, that, that was, was a scary spot. That was a scary spot. It was like a power bomb pile driver combo. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if they gave it a name. I'm sure someone could let me know. He called it a Bronson bomb. I believe that's what it was called. I believe that's what it was. Either way, yeah. someone could can let us know in the comment section if we're wrong, but yeah. That was a scary spot. It looked like Darby landed on his head. And on top of that, Brody King picks up Darby from his head and just kind of like swings him. Mm. And I'm like, geez, what if he didn't know like something went wrong and Darby's like messed up? Like that's the one thing you're not supposed to do after getting hit in the head like that. I mean, here in Connecticut, we actually just saw recently like a prisoner got thrown in a van. And that same thing happened where he landed on his head wrong and they, they picked him up from his neck out of the van and ended up getting paralyzed because of it. Ugh. That's some serious stuff. I mean, luckily Darby's okay, but that watching that, I'm like, oh my God, like that did not look good for Darby. And luckily he's good. He's in, he's yeah. seems to be okay from that. Yeah. Darby's a glutton for punishment. I mean, there was another spot where he literally got swung around by the back of his pants, dropped on his face, thrown outside yep. the ring chopped on the back, chopped on the chest. Uh, he was on Brody King's back at one point. Brody King did that cannonball in the corner and Darby. Oh was, yeah. Uh, you know, Brody King's gotta be at least two sixty, I would imagine. So yeah. again, um, 
With Darby being one of the originals, being one of the more unique guys, one of the guys that I think could be a huge star in just wrestling in general, a true fan favorite, I have no problem with him losing to a guy like Brody King just based on, you know, size and all of that alone. Um, but what are they going to do with Brody King? Push him now. Do something with him. I don't know if they're going to. Um, for Darby, you know, obviously, this is a guy that's been a TNT champion. This is a guy that has gone up against the likes of a Cody Rhodes, a CM Punk. He's a guy that's had a lot of big high-profile matches. So even though there's a, such a size difference here, this is probably the most, uh, it's not probably, it is the most notable win for Brody King. So let's see what they do with him from here. Yeah, I mean, also you got to tie in here the storyline with Mero and Malachi Black. Now, does Mero form an allegiance with Darby and Sting against the House of Black which then poses another question. Where the hell is Buddy Matthews? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Because, I, he hasn't been on there since the, the pay-per-view, correct? Yeah, I, I don't know if he's hurt. Maybe he is one of the many AEW wrestlers right now that caught the injury bug, but I have not seen him. Actually, I haven't seen Julia Hart either. I'm pretty sure she's been wrestling on Dark too, but you know they made that big like turn for her, and I don't think I've seen her since that happened. Maybe once, but just something interesting. Like, where where are these people? It would be nice to kind of add them to the House of Black, or is it they got dropped and now it's just these two? And which is fine if they do, but explanation. Like, we we talk about other promotions dropping the ball on details. Mm -hmm. Some details, please. Explanation here, but nonetheless, a lot of details into our next match which was a tag team action, Blackpool Combat Clubs, Wheeler, Yuta, and Moxley, John Moxley going up against the best friends on commentary, William Regal and Ralph's favorite wrestler in AEW, Orange Cassidy. Ralph, did he at least impress you at the commentary table? I, he didn't do anything. He didn't, I think the only thing he said was, uh, uh, okay. Literally, I think that's the only thing he said, so. But what about the finish? The finish where Wheeler Yuta gets the like crossover pin on Chuck Taylor. And that's a move that Chuck Taylor taught him. And that was the story throughout the whole match was Trent did not like Wheeler from the beginning. You know, Chuck, yes. you know, raised Wheeler in AEW per se and taught him everything he knew. But then Wheeler was like, no, best friends are too comedic for me. I need something more serious. Joins the Blackpool Combat Club. And that's the story that was told with William Regal on commentary. and. I thought this was a well-executed tag team match along with a well-told story. And then Orange Cassidy actually had the line of the whole match was that's something Chuck Taylor taught him and then walked out. I thought he was actually going to come to the ring, but he just disappeared after that. I guess he stormed off and went to the locker room, but I'm guessing where this leads to is Orange Cassidy versus Wheeler Yuta, possibly for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship, assuming Yuta retains this weekend against Daniel Garcia. Yeah, you know, not only not was it wasn't just to the credit of Orange Cassidy for calling that out. I mean, William Regal certainly talked about how he left the best friends and how he was able to, uh, you know, fine tune all of his credentials and stuff like that. Even Excalibur was talking about how he was trained in, uh, where was it? Mexico City? Mexico, Mexico? yeah. So, um, you know, that, that was certainly the story that was being told there. Um, Moxley was uh, the second person to be 
uh, given uh, uh, what seemed to be a dangerous neck spot where Chuck Taylor dropped him directly on his neck following the Mm -hmm. match where Darby Allen was dropped directly on his neck. Um, And then I think right after that, there was two pile drivers on Wheeler Yuta, which he kicked out of. Now, nothing against pile drivers, nothing against tombstones, but those were scarier ones. Those were ones where it was like, oof, that could have gone bad. But uh, that being said, I did think this was another good match. So it was back-to-back good matches. The action was good. Um, It wasn't like the typical Moxley throw him outside, let's brawl outside type match. Like they actually worked a, a tag match. And followed the rules, and yep. it worked. So <laughs> kudos, kudos to Bryce Ramsberg too, because we call you know bad refereeing when we see it. But Bryce Ramsberg, has, honestly for me, has gone from my least favorite referee in AEW to my favorite referee in AEW, just simply because he enforces tag rules. He enforces rules. He you know he's telling guys get out of the ring, starts counting and stuff like. He's not just waving his arms or just staring in the, in like seeing everything happen and missing, you know, legal men not being legal or whatever. And speaking of illegal men winning championships or whatever the case may be, we have the celebration of swerving or glory tag team championship celebration here. You know, there swerve has something to say. Keith Lee has something to say. Kevin Gates. Uh, you know, was in attendance. I personally don't know who he is. I'm sure he does great in, in the rap game, but not, not my genre of music. I listen to, I'm sorry. I'm a rock guy, not a rap guy, but it outcomes Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. And I'm like, yes, they're going to use the illegal man thing and have Mark Sterling put a lawsuit against these guys for, you know, pinning the wrong man in the tag team championship match. Nope. It's just this stupid storyline about trying to get Swerve Strickland off the roster. So they try to get Kevin Gates to sign the petition. He doesn't fall for it and instead knocks Tony Nese on his ass with a punch. It looked like a really good shoot punch, but obviously I'm hoping that was a a worked punch. But you thought that looked good? It looked a lot better than some of the punches I've seen later on in the night. Well, I... I, that was what I was texting you about when I said that punch looked terrible. That was the punch I was referring to. So maybe there was other punches that I had overlooked that may have looked a little phony or whatever. But um, I, I don't know. I, I ranked that right up there along the likes of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger beating up uh, Triple H. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was less than impressed with it. I thought the segment itself, I, Smart Mark to me is, is great. He plays his role so well. Um, right. <laughs> The, the cake in the face and all that, the when he said, uh, I thought you were a young M.A., which it's actually young mob. I digress. <laughs> um, Tony Nese is as generic as a leather work boot. There is nothing to him. There's no flash. There's nothing there. Another one of those guys that was kind of brought in a focal point for two weeks and then an afterthought. Guy's got a good physique, but uh, that's not going to get you anywhere in pro wrestling just based on that alone. Um, I don't know. I, I don't some would disagree with that, but <laughs> you need some charisma and I haven't seen a whole lot of it. He's thankfully he's got smart Mark to carry him, but, uh, swerve in our glory. Uh, I think they're, they're obviously both good on the mic. They're confident in themselves. So be interesting to see where that whole thing goes. Uh, good on AEW for getting somebody like Kevin Gates. That's as credible as he is to, uh, show up and appear on the show because, 
you know, this is pro wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it. You need people like that to get you some notoriety and some attention because it actually did get them quite a bit of coverage outside of just like your basic wrestling coverage. So good on them. But let's talk about the next segment here. Tag team action yet again. It is Christian Cage and Luchasaurus against the Varsity Blondes. Not much to talk about in this match. It was rather quick. Luchasaurus does most of the work. Christian Cage gets the pin. I believe it was on Brian Pillman Jr. You know, they have Christian Cage on Luchasaurus' shoulders. And then out comes the music, Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. And Jungle Boy comes back. Then you have Luchasaurus stand in front of Jungle Boy, turns to the side, and lets Jungle Boy chase Christian Cage away. So all this stuff, the last three weeks of turning Luchasaurus heel, joining forces with Christian Cage, just to join Jungle Boy again when he comes back. What are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? Like, did did something in your research show that this Luchasaurus thing wasn't working and you pivoted right back? Because I feel like a lot of people kind of liked what they were going with Luchasaurus. And this just seems like a weird swerve, just a swerve. And it's not like he was just escorting Christian out to the ring. He was certainly doing heelish type things. Now, they could certainly try to make the case that, oh, he just did that to earn uh, Christian's trust, but it didn't do anything. It, It didn't lead to Jungle Boy getting a big win over Christian because he asked Luchasaurus for a chair and Luchasaurus didn't give him the chair in a match or something, or, um... Luchasaurus accidentally like kicked Christian in the face, costing him a match against like he literally just came out, stepped to the side and let him chase him up a rampway. It didn't actually culminate to anything. anything. It, di- it didn't have right. an arc. It didn't do anything. Um, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that the, the grand plan of Christian is to to uh, double for ha- to have Luchasaurus double cross him again. Um, Possible. But. I will say this, obviously he came out to a big pop. He's super over. Now we'll see, like, is this going to be the feud that we're all hoping? And it gets jungle boy to that next level. I, I think so, but right. Because you already got people, you already got people talking about the next four pillars of AEW, like as if the four pillars of AEW left. Now, granted, one of them is on hiatus. One of them was involved in the main event. One of them was injured. And you know, so like, (laughs) <laughs> like people just could get fickle sometimes, I guess. And it's not just in WWE or wherever else like fickleness happens all over the place. But next up we have the FTW championship, Ricky Starks against Cole Carter, who <laughs> figure this out. And someone, I saw this on Twitter. And I like, Oh my God, I can't believe they did this. I don't know if this was just coincidental or this was legit, but Cole Carter, who was two dimes, in NXT was killed off NXT and was told he was swimming with the fishes appears on AEW during their promotion for shark week. Coincidence? I think not. (sighs) This was the point of the night where I was really just like, I I was checked out, man. You got to give me a reason to care about a match. And you know, Jr. Well, about, it's an open challenge. It's an open challenge. I so get that, but if this is a gu- look, okay. So if this is an open challenge and this guy answers the challenge, I got no problem with that. The problem I have with it is essentially at this point, this guy has done nothing. There's no reason for me to care. There's no reason for anybody to care about him. There's no backstory. He's just 
answering an open challenge. Now, the problem I have with this is, one, he's good in the ring, pretty obvious, um, but the commentary team didn't do him any favors. L literally, he got an entrance as a nobody, at least in AEW, at least right now, got an entrance, which, why? Didn't make sense. Uh, two, he got an entrance, and as he's walking out, they didn't even talk about him to build him up. Like, they didn't do anything to try and make make him seem like he's a threat to the championship, like he's a threat to Ricky Starks. He literally just came out, got in the ring, and then later on, Jim Ross talked about his football career. Like, that's the job of the commentary. Build him up. Make him think he's a threat. He's a no-name, but at the same time, this is his opportunity. Nobody's going to... Mm -hmm. I, I Like, why, why, why would I sit through a match for somebody that I know very little about and I don't care about? Most people probably are like, who's this guy? I'm going to change the channel. Right. I got to do a better no, job. I could agree to that where, you know, maybe they could have done a better backstory on him, but if he has not much wrestling experience and I don't know personally what his in-ring experience was before NXT, there might not be anything to really pump up on him other than, Oh, he used to play football. Well, what they do and, something. Where did he train? Look how, look at a physical specimen. I, whatever. Like where did he train? He trained at the performance center. They're not going to say he trained at the WWE performance center. They could do something. Their job is to sell the match to the audience. And this guy is just a vanilla guy that comes out. That's got slick back blonde hair and a physique. And they're just like, Oh, he answered the open challenge. Okay. And like, why is this a threat? Like, why should I care about him? They drop the ball there. Their job is to sell to the audience. And in that point, at that point, right now, I, I, as you said, like, but what that we still don't know anything about him. Well, maybe, maybe after his match, I'll watch dark next, next week. week. They'll fill me in. Yeah. But nonetheless, nonetheless, we got another issuing of an open challenge from Ricky Starks. He's like, I got a little bit in the tank. Let's do another open challenge. And out comes Dan Housen. He answers the open challenge. Ricky Stark says, nope, I didn't say this tonight, but don't worry. Next week, Ricky Starks versus Dan Housen. I can't do the impersonation. You can, but Ricky House versus Dan Housen for the FTW championship. What are your thoughts on that? You know, there's always a couple segments where I think to myself, literally, what, when we record, what am I going to say? Because like, I have to say something. This is obviously a show where we're providing our thoughts to whoever chooses to click on the video and whoever chooses to listen to us. I just, <laughs> I just don't know what to say about this. What do you say? Okay, Dan Housen's going to face Ricky Starks. Okay, and okay, that's wonderful. That's just <laughs> freaking wonderful. I can't <laughs> wait to see this match next week. On Dynamite, I'm so happy they promoted it this week so I can look forward to it next week. I, I, I'm at a loss. <laughs> Hopefully you can uh, save us here because I feel like we're treading water. I, uh, I just don't know what to think about Is this. Is that a pun? <laughs> that we're treading water? Is that a pun with Shark oh, Week and everything? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I was hoping to get a Danhausen impersonation for you, but... No, we're not going to get one. I couldn't possibly. I couldn't oh, possibly do it. Maybe later on. All right. Maybe yes. later on. But <laughs> there we go. The nice, very right. evil. There we go. Who, who, let us know in the comment section whose impersonation is better, Ricky Starks 
or Ralph's. But let's move on. There was a quick little promo segment here. Tony Schiavone has FTR out in the ring to promote their match for death before the signer. Two out of three falls against the Briscoes, who now have exclusive deals with Ring of Honor. So very interesting there to see if that actually affects the outcome of the match this coming Saturday. But nonetheless, you have Cash Wheeler out there. You have Dak, um, Dax Harwood. And Dax Harwood talks about his daughter who had heart problems, had a hole in her heart, fought her way through, the hole in her heart closed, and now she fights at eight years old. And he says he's going to fight just like his eight-year-old daughter. So if she could fight for what she believes in, he could fight for what he believes in. And the crowd ate this all up. And FTR, honestly, maybe I'm just, maybe it's recency bias, but I can't find or think of a more over tag team in pro wrestling than FTR since Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. More over? Not more over. Like, there's not a more over tag team today than FTR, and they haven't been, like, I, I don't know if there's a tag team that's been more over than FTR since the Road Warriors. You wouldn't think the Hardys? No. Because, like, FTR right now, I feel like anytime Ah. their music hits, anytime their music hits, like the crowd explodes, like they get probably the the loudest pop of the night, singles, wrestlers, tag teams, whatever they get huge pops. Yeah. And you know what? Now that you say that, because I'm, I'm kind of basic. Well, I, I don't think you're wrong for putting them in the conversation. And if they were to make a return, like the Hardys made that return at WrestleMania, they would get the very much the same response the Hardys got that night. So right, they're definitely up there for sure, without a question of a doubt. They're definitely at another level right now. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, depending on what you think about how they've been booked, some may argue that they haven't been booked to their full potential, but I think that's going to change very, very, very soon. I think so, because now, you know, people have caught on to the fact that they have been the number one ranked tag team for 16 consecutive weeks in AEW. That's four months. Where the hell is their AEW tag team championship match? Hopefully right it's around been the corner. Four, it's been four months since they've been or since they started being the number one ranked team, have not been knocked down since, should not have been knocked down since. And no tag team championships. Why do these rankings matter? Why do they matter? They don't. Well, sorry, they don't. Here's what I'm going to say. Do you remember the show that I have been raving about for the past couple of weeks? I've been binge watching it from season one straight through season four. That would be Stranger Things, I believe. Now, have you watched all of Stranger Things? I have. Okay. And... There was a point in this season four, which mind you, if anybody has not finished watching it, you have to pause this or skip it right now because uh, I'm going to give some spoilers here. But there was a point in season four where I literally sat back and I said to myself, well, number one, on, this, on the edge of my seat with suspense, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, at this very moment, I said to myself, this is why a majority of wrestling sucks today because... This show is able to do something that wrestling is not able to do many times because the story doesn't evoke emotion. The story doesn't draw emotion out of you. Now, how I'm going to tie this in is here. Do you remember the scene where Max was running from Vecna? Yes. 
and the song was playing and you didn't know if he was going to catch her. You didn't know if she was going to get killed. You didn't, well, you didn't know what was going to happen. Right. But you were so invested in the characters in that show that unless you didn't give a shit about it, like I did, uh, that you were hoping and praying that she was going to make it out alive. At least that's my thought. Mm-hmm. I hadn't had a show that made me feel so suspenseful in so long. How I'm tying it into FTR is this. What Dax Harwood did last night, that promo he caught about his daughter and how she was sick and how she had to fight, that wasn't just your run-of-the-mill, hey, we're the best tag team, we're the champions, look at our gold, we've gone everywhere, we've beat everybody. It gave you a fucking reason to care because it evoked emotion. That's why Cody was so good. That's why Cody's promos are so effective and all these other things. That's why CM Punk is so good at what he does. Because they give you a reason to care other than what's happening in the fucking ring. That promo last night moved you. It made you feel something. Like, it wasn't just, we're the best. Watch the pay-per-view. We're going to have a match. It was like, my fucking life is on the line. My daughter's life was on the line. I'm going to fight for her. And that's why, that's what's missing in pro wrestling today. It's not just about the matches. and It's not just about five-star ratings and all the other stupid bullshit that people tweet about it's about actually caring about the story that's involved and getting you to the point of the match and last night honest to god i was never even intending to buy that pay-per-view after that promo i probably will because of that promo alone because it made me care about that match so much more than oh well let's just watch wardlow and orange cassidy well, fuck that shit. I don't want to just see a match for the sake of, oh my God, Fighter Fest, let's put it on a poster. Throw the poster in the toilet. Where was Wardlow after his big win last week? Nowhere to be found. Where was your Orange Cassidy after, after his valiant match? Commentary was feet on the table getting made fun of by William Regal. Nonsense. Give me a story. Give me a reason to care and I'll watch. That's the end of my rant for the week. It's been a while since you've had a rant like that, but let's move on. We had women's tag team action next. Jade Cardgill and Kara Hogan take care of Athena and Willow Nightingale. <laughs> I, I thought this was a, a decent women's match, a, a decent tag team match here. Jade Cardgill continues to improve in the ring and, and er, just her 35th match. Willow Nightingale, I think, had some shine in this match too, but uh, you know, ultimately, Jade Cargill does make uh, Willow Nightingale jaded for the victory here. You know, so, you know, not much to really talk about here other than the people that need to shine did shine and Jade continues to improve. And I think the status now that she has more days undefeated to start her career than Bill Goldberg. So congratulations, <laughs> Jill, Jade Cargill on that one. Yeah, match itself was okay. I think the point where everybody certainly came up in the in the audience was when Jade and Athena were face to face. That mm-hmm. was the moment where I was like, okay, cool. This is exactly what we want to see. They gave us a little taste of it. I'm sure we're going to get that. Uh, I would imagine what all out. I'd imagine um, maybe, but uh, yeah. Well, I it was what it was. Jade looked okay. Um, you know, not a whole lot there, but. I'm not going to crap all over it. No, no, there's really nothing to crap on on that. But the main event was Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston in the barbed wire everywhere match. Now, there should be an asterisk on barbed wire everywhere because they missed a spot, which was the ropes 
facing the hard cam, which I understand why they didn't because you, it would block your view, but still like you're calling it barbed wire everywhere. And literally the thing center of the camera has no barbed wire. Nonetheless, the microphone has barbed wire on it. The bell has microphone, uh, has barbed wire on it. There's barbed wire tables. There's barbed wire ropes. And then of course, Tony Schiavone was sitting on barbed wire. Yes. And, uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society in a shark cage and Ruby Soho holding the key at ringside. The match starts off pretty well, but then Ty Conti comes out and steals the key from Ruby Soho. Apparently, Ty Conti got her lock unlocking skills from Paul Heyman because she couldn't figure out how to get the, the lock unlocked. So but don't forget Anna Jay then came out. Oh, that's right. Anna Jay came out. Turned heel. Turned heel. So now Ty Conti and Anna Jay are back together again. So now Ty Conti tries to unlock the gate or try to unlock the cage. She can't do it. Just like Paul Heyman couldn't unlock the handcuffs. Can I stop you for a moment? Go you ahead. You know what was missing in this exact moment? What's that? Jim Ross absolutely needed to say, that damn Jezebel. That yeah. damn bitch. <laughs> Well, he said that bitch about five times about Jay Cargill. Car <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that bitch, that bitch, that like her mocking Jay or him uh, mocking Jay Cargill was hilarious. <laughs> but either way, let's get back to that barbed wire everywhere match. So Conti can't unlock the cage. So luckily, Angelo Parker's skinny enough to slip through the cage. Daniel Garcia's skinny enough to slip through the cage. Hager, um, yeah, Hager and Matt Menard, not quite skinny enough. So they have to wait for the cage to finally unlock. I don't think it ever did. So they're stuck in the cage, I think, still. No, no daddy magic last night. No daddy magic last night. Nonetheless, uh, you know, they get chased out by the rest of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. Eddie Kingston thinks he's finally going to win this thing. But no, no, no. Sammy Guevara comes out after, you know, his first appearance since blood and guts it helps Jericho win the match. Then they try Jericho to Jericho breaks his nose. Yeah. Like this thing just turned into a giant mess afterwards. After the match, like Jericho and Sammy try to attack Kingston and Sammy's holding Kingston. Then Jericho misses Kingston. Then Eddie Kingston tries to do that spinning fist while Jericho, I think, I don't know what the hell Jericho was doing. Like, I can't even, like, he trying to push Jericho Guevara away. I don't know what happened here. Jer but Eddie, I think what was supposed to happen was Sammy Guevara was obviously, so Eddie Kingston pushed Jericho towards Sammy Guevara. I assume Sammy Guevara was supposed to hit Jericho acc accidentally. Uh, they paused. They stared into each other's eyes. Sammy Guevara hit him, and then I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I, I, again for the second time tonight, I'm speechless on a review. I, what, what do you say? What? I, I think the only thing you you can for do the, you you can't even say anything, but just cue up the Benny Hill music. That's the only thing you can do. And, and, then, and then the finish of this. This isn't even the last moment of the thing. They go to the outside, and Kingston's supposed to just, like, throw Jericho 
into that platform of barbed wire, but it kind of comes off as like an awkward hip toss. And Jericho oversells this to like almost Shawn Michaels against Hulk Hogan status. And you could just see the look of like, what the hell is this shit out of kick? Like Kingston's like, this is sports entertainment bullshit that I don't want to be a part of. And I'm stuck doing this. What the hell, man? And on top of that, the wrong man won this whole thing. Like Kingston should have won. This should have been his crowning moment of beating Jericho. Nice send off to the end of the feud. Now I'm like, is this feud really over? Like, I don't know. Is there like, does this go on to all out? Can they really extend this another month and a half? If this and goes if they to do, all out, what does it go to? If this is going to be, an, what, what the hell was it? An exploding death mat? I, I, I'm telling you. Bar, I, barbed wire everywhere match. No, no. If, if it goes to all out and we have another uh, Omega Moxley exploding ring, whatever match. You're, you're doing the review by yourself because I'm not doing it. I'm telling you now, I won't watch it. Um, <laughs> I don't... Uh, look, Jericho came out. He got a great ovation. He looked awesome. The face paint, the pain maker was back. The entrance, it was all cool. Uh, Eddie Kingston came out. He looked like a badass. They started going at it. It started out great. And then we had to overbook things. Yep. For the love of God, just... If this is supposed to be the last match, just let them let it be the last match. And it was just a mess. And all this all this nonsense on Twitter and social media about this this vaunted what AEW botches Twitter account that for God's yeah. sake, you just insured their that their their revenue streams for the next month and a half. Well, no, because they got shut down because they were part of that whole Aubrey. Yeah, well George. everybody likes a comeback, and then this time it's freaking warranted. So <laughs> For, for the love of God, what, what is Tony, what could Tony Khan possibly say about this? And I know everybody loves to defend AEW, but this is not defendable. This is, this is bad. Look, like, there's times where we come on here and we talk about WWE and we're like, look, it was bad. This was bad. This was one of those moments where you got to just be like, yeah, you know what? We got to look forward to next week on Dynamite. Yeah. It was I, bad. Like, this was an A for effort, but like, a D minus on execution. Poor Eddie. And, like, seriously, poor Eddie. Because this this wrote for itself. And I don't know if it's Jericho. I don't know if it's Tony. I don't know if it was a combination of the two. I don't know if a producer got into one of their ears. But, man, what the, what the fuck is the only thing you could say about this? If you've, if you've seen the rise and fall of ECW documentary, I believe that's where he, Paul Heyman said this. They asked him, look, why didn't you try to have like uh, all these lights and fireworks and all these things to make it look good? And he said flat out because it would look cheap because we didn't have the budget to do it. Now, AEW has the budget, but if it's not going to look good on TV, don't do it. They didn't need to do a barbed wire everywhere match or whatever the hell it was. They could have done a first blood match. They could have had a regular wrestling match. They could Wouldn't have had that make more sense if it, if, well, if, if, if you, if you insisted on doing a gimmick match, insisted on it to blow, to have this be the blow off to the feud. Why not an inferno match? Considering that this whole feud started off fireballs. I, I'd like to, I'd like to offer something. Go why ahead. We, why, Tony, let's stop with the gimmick matches every week. Let's relax. 
let's do, let's go back to what you said this was supposed to be an alternative sports-based league you called it a league there's a fucking ring wrapped in barbed wire and someone dressed as a shark there's people in a shark cage this isn't a league it's sports entertainment it is not the alternate to WWE. It's WWE. It's the same freaking thing. Every no, week just, there's a gimmick match. You know, we were making so much momentum in the last few weeks on our YouTube channel, and you just lost it all with that comment. What? what <laughs> God, come on. What do you guys want me to say here? What do you want me to say? I, it, not for nothing. This Again, this is two weeks in a row where Dynamite was okay, but where's the star power? I know they got guys hurt, but isn't this when... You go all in on a guy like Wardlow. He's your next big thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hangman Page is doing run-ins with the Dark Order. He's a former champion. This is when you lean on those guys. Not have people like... Who's that guy? Who the... I've, I already forgot his name. Who's the guy that wrestled uh, Mr. Rochambeau, Ricky Starks? <laughs> Cole Carter. Yeah, Cole Cash. <laughs> That's the guys you got wrestling. Where's Wardlow? Hey, MJF, bring him back. That you need these guys. <laughs> Kenny's not there. Adam Cole's not there. And you got Chris Jericho, 56 years old, rolling around in rubber-tipped barbed wire with a broken nose. I don't know, man. <laughs> and that's just sad because I'm a huge Jericho fan and I like Eddie Kingston a lot. But Eddie deserves better. He really does. And I'm not just like, I don't mind the quote-unquote sports entertainment of pro wrestling i actually I don't pre- either you know i like that more than just oh just give me a freaking match i i hate that crap honestly like why are we fighting you know whatever but eddie kingston is a guy and he's definitely shown it in the last few months where he everything he does in the ring everything he says on the microphone every like even in social media like there's a purpose. He goes out to the ring. Like you look at him and you're like, I'm not, if I saw this guy at the bar, I'm not messing with him. You know? Yeah. Well, I guess we have to look forward to next week. can only imagine what next week will hold. Well, it can't it's get fight, any worse. Can't get any it's worse. Fi- it's fight for the fallen. We got Dan Hauser versus Ricky Starks. Oh, fuck. And I, I know there's a couple of other matches that got announced. I can't remember which one's off the top of my head, but. At least we know Ricky Starks versus Dan Housen. I know Ralph's excited for that. I'm sure you're excited too. Let us know in the comments what you're most excited for heading into All Out. And don't forget to share us over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPB Podcast. Subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babble.